And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. You lost your magic. They knocked you off your game. Your Carlness went right out the window. What's with this Carlness? It's not even a, a real word. It's a conjunction, a preposition. It's a philosophy, a way of life. It's your name with Miss attached to it. Bob, listen to me. If you'd have done what I asked you to and come in my dressing room before the show, you'd have known that you weren't supposed to come out here until I introduced you. Jack, I tried to get into your dressing room, but I didn't have a nickel. I understand you're pretty funny as a DJ. And comedy is a kind of hobby of mine. Well, well, actually, it's a little more than just a hobby. Reader's Digest is considering publishing two of my jokes. Really? Yeah. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Money Dollar. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, I'll present the conclusion to the adventures of Maisie starring Ann Southern, and then it's a folksy medical drama on Dr. Christian starring Gene Hirschhold. With me, as always, is my co-host, Lisa Wolf. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Carl. All right, so in our last hour, we tuned into the uh, first portion of the Adventures of Maisie, good episode called A Barber Shop on a Horse starring Anne Southern. And I'm sure people want to get right back into this. Do you want to do that? Either they want to hear us banter or go back into that. I'm guessing they'd rather hear the radio. Then let's do that. Let's <laughs> go back to 1950 for the conclusion now to The Adventures of Maisie. <laughs> Well, I'm back from lunch, Maisie. Maisie, where are you? Over here, Joe. I'm putting fresh towels in the hot towel cabinet. Oh. Gosh, Joe, I had no idea you stayed at so many hotels. Huh? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I get around, Maisie. Uh, tell me, did the man come from the chair money? Yeah, yeah, about 20 minutes ago. Oh. He took it and left. Yeah? Wasn't he sore? I mean, didn't he argue because it wasn't enough? No. As a matter of fact, I didn't think he expected that much. Yeah, that's funny. With me, if I'm a nickel short, he raises the roof. Well, with me, he was as gentle as a kitten, Joe. Yeah. Okay, Joe. Let's have it. Oh, back again, Mr. Hotchkiss. Back? What do you mean, back? Maisie, look who is here. Oh, good morning, sir. What would you like, a manicure? Sure, sit down. Come on, no stalling. Give. Uh, give? Maisie. Yeah, Joe? Where is it? It? Oh. <gasps> Oh, oh, you just go through there. It's the first... Look, don't try to razzle-dazzle me with comical stuff. Where's the money for the chairs? The the money? But Maisie gave it already, didn't you, Maisie? Yeah, but not to him. Huh? No, it was another fellow came in for money, an an Indian. An Indian? Yeah, tough-looking one with a mean jaw. When he smiled, his chin made a fist. Oh, fine. That was Nick. Well, Joey, I'm waiting, and you know me. I know from nothing. Look, look, Mr. Hotchkiss, please. We can straighten this out. All I need is a little time. Sure, take an hour. That's little enough. And if you haven't got the money, I'm yanking those barber chairs out here. Maisie. Maisie, now you've done it. I'm going to be put out of business. Gosh, Joe, how was I supposed to know I gave it to the wrong guy? Look, he even gave me a receipt. Let me see. Thirty-five dollars on laughing water. Maisie, this is a receipt from a bookie. A bookie? Oh, my gosh. I just put a barber shop on a horse. (laughs) 
Joe. Uh, Mr. Hotchkiss will let you keep these barber chairs if you could raise part of that $35. Say, 25 bucks. Uh, yeah, but how are we going to raise 25 bucks? I don't give the answers, Joe, just the questions. Maybe we could raise the prices of haircuts. Where are we going to raise the customers? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Besides, Joe's only got an hour to get up the cash. Eh, I've got an idea. Yeah? yeah. No. Oh. Oh. Oh, look, why can't we, uh... Yeah? Yeah? No, it won't work. Oh. Well, suppose I go to Mr. Hotchkiss and beg for mercy. You know, throw myself at his feet. No, no, maybe... Maybe I better do it. Yeah, in your case, it's a much shorter throw. No, no, I made the mistake and I'll talk to him. It's true he may throw me out in my ear, break my arm or sick his goons on me, but I'm the one who loused up everything and I'm the one that should go. Well, fellas? Well, what? Ain't you going to talk me out of it? No. Hmm. And I thought you were gentlemen. Come in. Mr. Hotchkiss, I'd like to appeal to your better nature about... Just a minute, please. I'm on the phone. Look, I don't care if she is 75 years old... No, and I don't care if she's sick either. She owes me $20 for furniture, and if I don't get the money at once, out she goes into the street. Yeah, I know she's my own mother, but that makes no difference. Business is business. Yes, goodbye, Father. Yes, miss? Uh, what can I do for you? Uh, well, um, I'm the manicurist at Joe's Barbershop. Oh, yes. That little matter of $52. That's right. <laughs> Mr. Hotchkiss, you couldn't be as mean as you look. <laughs> Want to bet? Uh, if Joe doesn't hold on to that job of his, his, his poor kids will go hungry and maybe starve. No clothes, no food, no home. Walk of the streets, cold, hungry. Nothing to uh, live please, for. Please, miss, say no more. I shall break into tears. Money. Money. There are, there are other things in this world besides money. Well, don't tell me what they are. It'll only confuse me. Miss, I want that money, and that's all. It so happens I have a one-track mind. One-track mind. Oh. Oh, well, um, that's why I'm here, Mr. Hotchkiss. You didn't happen to lose a receipt for a horse bet when you were in the barbershop this morning, did you? Young lady, I never bet on horses. Oh. Oh, then I guess this receipt dropped out of Mr. Fairchild's pocket while he was getting a shave. Mr. Fairchild? Uh-huh. The multimillionaire sportsman who bets on horses and makes a fortune. Last year, he made a million dollars on him. That's just oodles and knots, isn't it? Yeah. However, that receipt didn't drop out of my pocket. Now, about the $52... Oh, well, that'll have to keep. I simply must return this receipt to Mr. Fairchild. The race goes on in an hour, and if this ticket should happen to fall into the wrong hands... Well, $35 at 99 to 1 would be... Uh... $3,465. Oh, gee. You're faster at figures than Jack Benny. Well, I must return this receipt to the filthy rich, money to burn, enough to get all the cars, yachts, and pretty girls he wants, Mr. Fairchild. Uh, yes, uh, money, girls. Um, <clears throat> just a minute, miss. Uh, I have coming to me $52, which you don't have. Mm-hmm. And this Mr. Fairchild person has a chance of winning $3,465, which he doesn't need. Now, how about it? 
Why, Mr. Hotchkiss, I haven't the faintest idea what you mean. Well? Oh, well, I hardly think it's fair to let you have Mr. Fairchild's race receipt so you can forget all about the $52 Joe owes you. And how did you suspect I had that in mind, miss? Oh, just took a while, guess. <laughs> well, what do you say? Is it a deal? Well... If you'd rather not... Oh, you just talked me into it. Here's the receipt. Goodbye, Mr. Hotchkiss. Ah, laughing water. Ninety-nine to one, three thousand four hundred and sixty-five dollars. Oh, Hotchkiss, you sly old fox. I could kiss you. Hotchkiss, did you get the money from Joe the barber? No, I got something better. Something better than money, eh? Hotchkiss, have you been drinking? Wait till you see, boss. See this receipt? Thirty-five bucks on laughing water in the second race. Information straight from the pocket, I mean mouth, of the richest horse better in the country. Do you have rocks in your head, Hodgkiss? No one can win money on horses. But, um, and anyone who would wager good money on anything as unpredictable as a horse race is a complete idiot. Um, hello? Oh, it's for you, boss. Who is it? Your bookmaker. No, give me that phone. Hello, Benny. What's that? Okay, okay, I'll send you the four grand at last. See, by the way, Benny, you know a horse named Laughing Water in the second? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh-huh, yeah, thank you. Well? He says Laughing Water's a dark horse. He is? Uh-huh. He has yet to come in before dark. I'd kiss if you don't get that 52 from Joe and bring it right to me, you're out of a job. Don't worry, boss. I'm going back to Joe's with this race receipt and get that money or the chairs. Believe me, Joe, you got nothing to worry about. I tell you, laughing water is ready. I just come from the stable. Yeah, I thought it was just that cheap hair tonic you've been using. Here, just gaze your eyes on that nag's record. You see, yeah. Laughing Water, 1938, finished 10th. 39, finished 9th. 48, 41, 7th. You see, Joe, she's moving ahead. What's she been doing since 1941? Resting, Joe, resting. Just lying back under a tree with her hoofs crossed behind her head and resting. Saving her strength. For nine years? Uh-huh. Now she's ready. She's a cinch. Joe, huh? Steve, I ran all the way back. I got news for you. Great big fat news. I got news too, Maisie. Laughing water is ready. For what? The glue factory? Look, fellas, before you go any further, I got a chance. No, Maisie, look. That... Look, I think, I think Steve is right. We got a chance. Let them take the chairs. When our horse comes in, we'll be able to buy new ones. <laughs> and Maisie, I won't forget you. If the horse wins, I promise you will be in clover. In? You mean under? Oh, now let's see. Look, fellas, Don't I... let it kid you, Joe. The race is in the bag. And we're holding it. Amazing. You don't seem to be happy about this. Look, Joe, I don't know how to tell you this, so... Yeah? So I won't. All I can say is... Later, Maisie, later. It's just about race time. I'll turn on the radio. But I good, don't... Good, good. And, uh, they're off. Eighteen horses in a cloud of dust. Hey, where's the laughing water? Probably behind the cloud. Joe, I want... Cracker boy takes an early lead. Bushwhacker is on the rail. Rifkin and Icebogle are butts together. And look, one of the horses is still having trouble getting out of the starting gate. Probably laughing water. It's laughing water. What else? Oh, fine. Don't worry, Joe. She'll get out and win. Laughing water's heart pumps fighting blood. Too bad it didn't pop into her feet. At the first quarter, Dollface is in the lead. <laughs> She's now three lengths ahead of the field. <laughs> There's Rift. 
in there, Lass Vogelnick. In it. And while that goes, Laughing Water. Where? Laughing Water is gaining fast. Running like crazy. It won't surprise me if she caught up with her jockey. Lost to her jockey? What's her jockey doing? Probably when they had to clear the pebbles out of her way. Now at the three-quarter mark, uh, Dollface is four lengths ahead. Uh, Rifkin and Asfogel have ducked out of contention. They would. It's now between Bushwhacker and Dollface. Hey, you miss. I want my money and my receipt back for the chair. Don't bother us, chum. Just pick up a razor and cut yourself a piece of throat. Yeah, we're listening to the race. We got a lot of dough on laughing yeah, water. Me too, but I'm going to get it back. Sorry, chum. Too late. Now they're heading into the stretch. It's a doll face and a bushwhacker. Yeah. Doll face and bushwhacker. And wow, here comes laughing yeah, water. No, no. Laughing water. Come on. Come come on. on. Come no, laughing no, don't water. come laughing water. Don't knock yourself off the filthy gold. Here comes laughing water, running like a mad. She's Third, yeah. uh, she's a second. Mr. Hotchkiss, did you say something about wanting your chair receipt back? Are you crazy? Come on, Laughing Water, come on! Your baby needs new shoes. Little Joe needs a new shop. Little Maisie needs an ass. Come on, Laughing Water, you can't lose. You can't lose. But try, honey, try. And here's the winner, ladies and gentlemen, the Laughing Water. Oh, yes, yes, folks, a 99 to 1 shot one. <laughs> you hear that, Maisie? <laughs> Aren't you happy? <laughs> Well, say something. Ra, ra, ra. Stand by, folks, for the official report from the judge. But, well, Maisie, the ticket. The ticket? Yeah, yeah, on the horse. Well, um, Mr. Hotchkiss here, he, uh... Yeah? He... He, uh... He... <laughs> if you're thinking about what I'm thinking, Joe, I've got it. Got what? The receipt. Oh, oh. Maisie, you didn't. I... I exchanged it with him for... Oh, you're going to hate me. Mm, on that, you can bet. We made nothing. Look, Joe, I I thought I was doing the right thing. Oh. I guess I'm just a meddling fool. You can say that again. I'm just a meddling fool. And you're fired. Thousands of dollars you cost me and my show. Oh, Mom told me there'd be days like this. Just a minute, folks, just a minute. What? What's this? A foul has been claimed. Yeah, yes, the judges have disqualified laughing Disqualified. It seems a horse can't win a race without a jockey. Now, here's the winner. Dollface. What? Does that mean your horse lost? No, chum. Your horse lost. And you're out exactly $52, so then, yeah. <laughs> oh, amazing. Oh. You're wonderful. I could kiss you. Lift me up, Steve. Yeah. Oh, it's nothing, fellas. Just a touch of genius, that's all. Oh, to me it was everything. You paid off my debt, and we still got the chairs. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it wonderful? Now we can starve sitting down. <laughs> <laughs> and now, once again, here's Maisie. Well, I'm back like the fellow just said, but not at Joe's Barbershop. It seems that a famous pianist who was given a recital tonight came in for a manicure. And, well, I ain't saying how many of that piano player's fingers I damaged, but I sure hope he knows how to play chopsticks. Well, I gotta eat tonight, so I might as well prowl around for a pawn shop. Hmm. I wonder how much I can get on a pair of manicuring scissors, slightly bent. You've just heard The Adventures of Maisie, starring Anne Southern. Maisie was written by Arthur Phillips. 
Original music was composed and conducted by Harry Zimmerman. Supporting cast included Sidney Miller, Howard McNear, Ted Osborne, Ken Christie, Tom Tully, and Peter Leeds. Jack McCoy speaking. And that was The Adventures of Maisie from March 9th, 1950, A Barbershop on a Horse, starring Ann Southern. Did you like that one, Carl? I did. Thanks for it's... presenting that, Lisa. You're welcome. That was a good one. I good. like how you got that all queued up. You hit the button. You did everything. Mike just Auto- sat we're, back, took a we're nap. We're on autopilot Mike here, Costella, our uh, executive producer, uh, did nothing. He, he does nothing. Lisa, I do everything Right. Lisa here. does it all. It's a lot of work. Right. I just get coffee for everyone. And, well, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping and for some Did you want tea. two lumps in this? Two lumps. You want two lumps? <laughs> Just one lump, oh, You want one lump? Okay, very good. Um, so, all right. So, in uh, after the commercials, we're going to come back, and we're going to play this episode of Dr. Chris, and I think you're going to like it. So, stick around here on Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Welcome back. This is Hollywood 360. I'm your host, Carl Amari. My co-host, Lisa Wolf here. And uh, this is where we play the best in classic radio on the Hollywood 360 network. Over 100 radio stations, coast to coast. We sure hope you uh, enjoy these shows. And uh, please like us at our Facebook page. Just search uh, Hollywood 360. Hollywood 360 Radio. Right. And also go to our website, Hollywood360Radio.com. Right? Right. Okay. Time now for Dr. Christian. Gene Hirschholt played Dr. Alan Roy DeFeo, the lead character in the 20th Century Fox film The Country Doctor, and its two sequels. He wanted to bring Dr. DeFeo to radio but couldn't secure the rights, so he created his own character for radio named Dr. Paul Christian. Dr. Christian practiced in the Midwest town of River's End with the assistance of nurse Judy Price. The weekly story centered on the doctor and his patients, their ailments and personal problems. Six Dr. Christian films were produced by RKO from 1939 through 1941. The radio series ran from 1937 through 1954, and in 1956 it made the transition to television. Right? Did you watch it on TV in 1956? I, no, no, I'm not quite there yet, no. but I'm wondering, how did it do on television? Um, not as good as radio. It was very popular on radio. And we have a radio show for you now. This is going back to January 9, 1938. It's called Hit and Run. It stars Gene Hersholt, and it's sponsored by Vaseline, which was its longtime sponsor. It's heard on CBS Part 1 now of Dr. Christian. From New York City, we bring you Chapter 10 in the Chronicles of River's End. The star of the show, Gene Hersholt, in his greatest of all roles. The title of the show, Dr. Christian. The sponsor of the show, the Cheesebro Manufacturing Company, owners of the trademark Vaseline. The makers of Vaseline preparations again present their show from the Columbia Playhouse in New York, where our star, Gene Hersholt, is enjoying a brief holiday between pictures. It's the gayest season in years in New York. Theaters, restaurants, and nightclubs are thronged with smart society, visiting celebrities, and a large and appreciative college crowd. For today's story of Dr. Christian, we take you to the River's End Light and Power Plant. It's 6 o'clock on New Year's Eve and snowing hard. Two men on the day shift are preparing to leave. Hurry up and get your coat on. I'll give you a lift. I'm driving around by your place. Thanks, but I'm going to supper at Dave Fenton's. (laughs) I guess there'll be quite a bit of celebrating going on tonight. Well, Dave's got something to celebrate for. Any guy who was out of a job as long as he was. I guess that's right. I never saw a fellow so tickled to go to work. Are you all ready, Sam? Yep, all set, Dave. 
And plenty hungry. Well, it won't be long now. You coming, Alan, or are you going to help out the night crew and work tonight? Not me. I ain't going to work anymore till next year. Say, it's commencing to snow in earnest, isn't it? Yep, looks like we're going to have a real old-fashioned New Year's. Boy, this is great. You can have it. I'll be half an hour driving home in this storm. Pretty soft for you, Dave, living right across the road from the plant. <laughs> By the time you get that jalopy of yours thawed out and started, we'll be halfway through supper. Well, so long. I'll see you tomorrow. So long, Alan. Happy New Year. Same to you. Happy New... Dave, look out! Look out! They got him. He's hit. He never made a sound. He's killed. Dave! Dave, speak to me! Dave! Is he breathing? I can't tell. It's so dark. Can you feel his heart? Can't tell a thing. Darn that guy. He never even stopped. Never mind that. Give me a hand with Dave. We've got to get him into his house. How did it come to hit him? Oh, it happened so blame fast. The fella kind of skidded into him. Jammed him up against your car. Lord, how quick a fella's life can be snuffed Quit out. talking and get a hold of his ankles. Okay. I got him. Take it easy now. Easy, boy. He's just like a log. Do you suppose it's any... I use? don't know. As soon as we get him into the house, we'll phone Dr. Christian. Hello? This is Dr. Christian. An accident? Where? Well, does he seem to be badly hurt? Oh, he's unconscious. Yes. Dave Fenton. Sure I know him. Yes, I see. A car, you say? Well, did you recognize it? Oh, where's Dave now? Yes, yes, about five minutes. Yes. Tell Mrs. Fenton to loosen his clothes, but don't move him. Yes, I'll be right out. Seems like hours. What's Dr. Christian doing in there so long, Sam? I don't know, Miss Fenton. Why doesn't he come out and, and tell us? Oh, well, now, don't take on so. Everything will be all right now that Dr. Christian is here. Oh, but Dave, he hasn't moved or said a word. Now, Dave will pull through all right. You don't mean that? You're just trying to... Why, sure I mean it. Dr. Christian's a wonderful doctor. He'll bring Dave around. You wait and see. Even if he does, what are we going to do? How are we going to pay sick bills? And what's going to become of Dave's job? I'll have to put someone in his place. And how do I know Dave will get it back? Well, the main thing now is for him to get well. Yes, if he does. How could the driver of that car be so cruel? How could he do this to us? Oh, how, how is he, Dr. Christian? There's no change, Mrs. Fenton. Oh, Sam, there's no use in your staying any longer. I don't mind, Dr. Christian, if I can be of any help. No. You run along home and get your supper. All right, Doctor. Oh, there's one thing you might do. Yes? You know where Mrs. Thomas lives, don't you? Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, stop in and tell her to come over here, will you? Oh, sure. I'll be glad to. Well, good night, Miss Fenton. I sure hope everything works out okay. And happy new... Uh, I mean, goodbye. Good night. Goodbye, Dr. Christian. Goodbye, Sam. That's the first portion of Dr. Christian from January 9th, 1938, Hit and Run, starring Gene Herschel. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, it's the conclusion to Dr. Christian here on the Hollywood 360 Radio Network. 
Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Welcome back to Hollywood 360, where we play the best in classic radio. If there's anything you want to hear, any of your favorite radio shows, Jack Benny, Burns and Allen, Suspense, The Shadow, Boston Blackie, you name it, let us know via Facebook. So just hop on Facebook and search Hollywood 360 Radio and just post to us. Tell us what you want to hear and we'll make sure we play it here on the Hollywood 360 Radio Network. It's time now for the conclusion to Dr. Christian, January 9th, 1938. It's called Hit and Run, starring Gene Hirschhold. Sit down, Mrs. Finn. You're tired. Dr. Christian, will... Will he get well? Well, you see, he's pretty badly hurt. He... He's going to die? No. No, I didn't say that. Oh. He has a serious concussion of the brain. We'll have to watch it very carefully. Right now, I... Well, I can't tell what might happen. But there's a chance he won't get... Yes, there is. Oh, when... When will you know? Well, I I can't even answer that. Maybe not for several days yet. I see. About what time was it when the accident happened? Oh, a little after six o'clock. They've always left the plant around six. That car swang around. Swung around the curve and hit him as he was crossing the road. Oh, they... You mean right in front of the plant? Yes. Well, was uh, Sam with him at the time? Sam and Mr. Allen. It was Mr. Allen who phoned you. Well, how soon after the accident did did, did he phone? It couldn't have been more than five minutes. See, they carried Dave to the house here and... Then Mr. Allen phoned. Well, we can be thankful there wasn't any time lost anyway. That's something. And uh, the driver of the car, he didn't stop? No. Well, he'd wish he had when they catch him. They'll never catch him. Why, he's miles away by this time. And what good is it if they do? That isn't going to make Dave well. No, but he'll put that driver where he belongs. A man who's careless with an automobile is just as dangerous as a man who's careless with a gun. Neither Sam nor Alan got his license number. No. Hmm. But... uh, I think Alan told me he did notice it was a coupé. Yes. When they... When they brought Dave in, I... I just finished setting the table. We were going to have a little New Year's celebration on account of Dave's new job. It looked like the New Year was starting out so fine. And... And now... now. Oh, I'm sorry. Look, don't let's talk about it anymore now. You go upstairs and lie down. Maybe you can get a little sleep. Oh, no. Get some rest anyway. There's someone at the door. Yes, you go ahead and I'll answer it. Thank you. Oh, come in, Mrs. Thomas. Hello, Dr. Christian. Sam Burns told me about it. How is Mr. Fenton, doctor? Pretty bad. Oh. Where's Mrs. Fenton? Upstairs lying down. I want you to stay here with her tonight. Oh, well, I'd like to, doctor, but I don't think I can. You can't? Why? Well, Marion Brooks has given a New Year's Eve party, and I promised her I'd come over and help in the kitchen. A New Year's party? Mm-hmm. Well, don't you think a dying man and a heartbroken woman are more important than a New Year's party? <laughs> not to Marion Brooks, they aren't. Oh, come, come. Marion Brooks may be upstage, but she's not as cold-blooded as that. Well, just the same. She'd never forgive me if Nonsense. I... You call her up and tell her to get somebody else. Oh, no, I couldn't do that. I wouldn't dare to. Wouldn't dare to? No. Well, just because Marion Brooks is the richest girl in town isn't any reason why... Well, it isn't exactly that, but the Brookses always hire me when they need extra help, and if 
I disappoint Miss Marion tonight, they'll never hire me again. When it's an emergency case like this? Yeah, that wouldn't make any difference to her. Oh. No, no, you don't know Miss Marion like I do. I've worked there. She walks over everybody. Can't you get Mrs. Morrow to stay? Well, she lives way out on the river road. She couldn't walk here in a night like this, and I haven't time to go out after her. I've got to make two important calls in just a little while. Well, I don't know what to say, Doctor. Well, you stay here. I'll fix it up with Marion Brooks. I'll talk to her myself. Well, if you will, of course, I'll be glad to stay. Mm -hmm. Here, uh, write these telephone numbers down. Mm -hmm. Cedar C923 and Cedar 86. Those are the two places where where I'm going. Yes, sir. And if anything happens, you can reach me at one of the places or the other. All right, Doctor. If Mrs. Fenton wakes up, tell her I'll be right back. Yes, Doctor. Is there anything you want me to do about him? Yes. He's here in the downstairs bedroom. I'll show you what I want you to do. Mm -hmm. But the most important, if there's the slightest change in his condition, don't wait a second. Phone. Mm -hmm. Hello? Yes, this is Dr. Christian. Oh, hello, Sam. (laughs) No, you didn't wake me up. I've just gotten back to the office. The phone was ringing when I came in the door. Yeah. Yes, I've been there all night. No, no, no change yet. Yes, Mrs. Thomas is with them. She'll call me if there's anything. Yes, I'm going back in a few moments. I'll let you know. Yes, goodbye. Dr. Christian, if it doesn't sound too ghastly at this time of day. Oh, good morning, Marion Brooks. (laughs) Still partying, I see. Or is that gown... Giddy, isn't it? I practically knocked the eye out of River's End with it last night. (laughs) And you don't find it uh, too uh, warm for this balmy morning? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm going right home and get into my ski clothes. We just finished up the party with breakfast at the coffee pot. Oh, so you celebrated here in River's End this year? Uh Uh-huh. Have a good time? Oh, we did all right. (laughs) Not like last New Year's in Paris, though. Oh, what I dropped in for. I'm sorry I was too busy to come to the phone when you called last evening. I hope it wasn't anything too important. When I called? Uh-huh. Oh, oh, yes. Oh, no, it wasn't important. I just left a message for you. Oh, the house was in such an uproar, I never received it. Uh, what was it? Oh, only that I borrowed Mrs. Thomas from you. Mrs. Thomas? Yes, I believe she was to help in the kitchen. Oh, yes, I remember. She didn't show up. Now, don't be angry about it. Well, of course I can't be angry with you, Dr. Christian, for the shortcomings of a domestic. But is the woman broke her word? Oh, she didn't break her word. It was really my fault. Oh, that class of people are never dependable. I'll see to it that she isn't hired at our house again. Oh, no. Mrs. Thomas wanted to come, but I wouldn't let her. I needed her in a case. Is that any reason why she should spoil my party? And without even notifying me. Well, I notified you, or at least try to. You know, Mrs. Thomas is a widow. It isn't my fault she's a widow. And I'm not particularly interested in how deserving she is. In fact, I'm not interested in her at all. Marion. Well, I don't know what's happened to you. You used to be a pretty nice sort of a girl. Even if your father did spoil you a little, I thought you had the right kind of stuff in you. But ever since you came back from the school... You've been high-hatting the whole town. Well, really, Dr. Christian? Well, some of these days you're going to find out. Oh, good morning, Dr. Christian. 
I'm Benson of the Highway Patrol. Oh, yes. Good morning, officer. Say, do you know whose coupe that is parked outside? The one with the damaged rear fender? Yes. It's mine. Oh, how do you do, Miss Brooks? How do you... Miss Brooks has been driving some of the party guests home. Well, I guess I'm on the wrong trail. I've been working on that Fenton case, Doctor. You know, if they ever catch that hit-and-run driver, he'll be going up for a nice long jolt. Say, uh, how is Fenton, anyway? Well, he's still in a critical condition. Yeah? Not gonna die, is he? Well, I wouldn't want to say that, but... Because if he does, somebody will be wanted for manslaughter. Manslaughter? That's right, Miss Brooks. Maybe murder. Well, thanks, Doctor, and uh, I'll keep in touch with you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye, Miss Brooks. Goodbye. Is that the new coupe you got for Christmas, Marion? Yes. Well, it's a shame you had to smash your fender. Oh, well, what difference does it make? Money will fix it. Well, how did you happen to do it? I was driving in that snowstorm last night, and... Road was a little slippery. I put on my brakes suddenly and skidded. The back end of the coupe sideswiped the parked car. Whose? I don't know. I didn't stop to see. Well, it seemed to me that when you damage somebody's car, you ought to stop. Oh, I had to hurry home for the party. Besides, you couldn't hit one of those old rattle traps the workmen at the power plant used. Power plant? Yes, that's where it was parked. The snow was all caked on the windshield, and I was on the turn before I saw it, so I slammed on my brakes. You mean to turn in front of the power plant? Yes. They ought to fix that curve. Well, what time did this happen? Last night, about, oh, about six o'clock. Well, now that I've confessed all, I must run. Marion. Sit down for a minute. Why? I... What's the matter? That coupe that skidded around the curve in front of the power plant hit a man. Hit a man? Yes. Dave Fenton. It happened about six o'clock last night. Oh. Dave and two of the other men were standing there by a parked car. Dave stepped out onto the road and the coupé skated into him. He's lying at that store now. Will he... Do you think he'll live? I don't know. Those other people, did they get the license number? No. But they don't need it. They know what time the accident happened and that the car was a coupé. It won't be hard to check up. Oh, but they won't suspect me. They'll never think of me. Even that policeman didn't suspect. And if you keep quiet and save the man... I don't believe I can save him, Marion. Then, if the man dies... It will be murder, Marion. And if it is, the police won't stop looking until they find the person who did it. Murder. Arrested for murder. No. No, it couldn't happen to me. I'll get out of it. I don't care how much it costs. Only... I'm afraid this is one thing money won't fix. But it wasn't my fault. I didn't see him standing there. I didn't see him. It was snowing too hard. I... I thought I only skidded into the parked car. Well, you should have stopped and found out. But I was in a hurry. I didn't run away deliberately. I didn't think. And I suppose that's going to make it easier for Mrs. Fenton because you didn't think. Oh. I suppose that's going to keep Dave Fenton from dying. Just because you didn't do it on purpose. Oh, he can't die. You've got to save him. Why? To keep you out of prison? I'm not thinking only of myself. Oh, yes, you are. Of nobody but yourself. That's what's the matter with you. There's Dad. The family. What'll happen to them if I'm arrested? You've got to do something for their sake. Yes, and what will happen to Mrs. Fenton and her baby if David dies and is crippled for life? A minute ago, you said it wasn't your fault Mrs. Thomas was a widow and that you weren't interested in that kind of people. Well, now, Mrs. Fenton might be a widow, and it will be your fault. And you're going to be interested in that kind of people whether you like it or not. 
How can you be so cruel? You've been a conceited, selfish little snob. You walked over everybody and gotten away with it. Now that you're going to be cold... No, no, I... come snivelling and snivelling around looking for mercy. If you'll only help me. Help me just this once. Wait. Hello? Yes, Mrs. Thomas. Yes, I'll be right out. Come on. Where... Where are we going? Well, maybe you've never seen a man who's been hit by a speeding car. Maybe you don't know, what, don't know what happens to him. Or what it is to watch him die. Oh, no. I'm going out of Dave Fenton's. And you are going with me. Why can't we go into the sick room, Miss Brooks? I don't know, Mrs. Fenton. Dr. Christian wants us to wait here. Mrs. Thomas is in there. But, but I thought he brought you along to help. No, he brought me along because... You see, my car was right outside his office, handier than his, and I drove him. I wish there weren't any cars in the world. This wouldn't have happened. And yet, if there weren't any cars, well, think what it would mean not to be able to get a sick person to the hospital in time. Or even if Dr. Christian couldn't get here when you needed him. Oh, suppose that's right. It, it isn't the cars, it's the cruel people who drive them. People aren't cruel. Not most people. Well, then they're careless. The same thing. But accidents happen everywhere. No, not like this one. The man who was driving this car didn't even slow up. He went right on. He didn't even care enough to stop and see the damage he'd done. Hitting a man. Maybe killing him and driving right on. Maybe. Maybe he didn't know he'd hit a man. It was snowing last night. The driver couldn't see well. Oh, he must have known he'd hit something. No, he just didn't care. What? Well, you'd stop if you hit someone, wouldn't you? Well, I... But he I... couldn't be bothered. He was probably hurrying to some New Year's Eve party. Last night he was probably celebrating, having a good time while... Well, Dave was lying in there. <laughs> oh, please don't cry. Don't. Well, Dave's worse this morning. I... I'm afraid he's going to die. Oh, no. Dr. No. Christian said he might. And then... Then the man who drove that car will be a murderer. Dr. Christian says they'll catch him, too. He'll go to prison. Please. Please don't. Oh. Oh, Doctor. Oh, Mrs. Fenton, will you get yes. me a couple of towels? Oh, yes, Doctor, they're in the kitchen. I'll go right in. Dr. Christian, I'm going. I can't stay here. You're going to stay right where you are. You're torturing me. I'm only showing you what's happened. Oh, if I'd only, only stop to realize. Dr. Christian. Yes? Uh, will you come here a minute? Look. I see. Hand me my stethoscope. What? That thing on the table there. Tell Mrs. Fenton and Miss Brooks to come in. And hurry! Hurry! Well, if you'll wait till I telephone, Mary, and I'll go home with you. 
I thought it'd be better to phone from the office here instead of Mrs. Fenton's. I'm... I'm not going home. What? I'm going to give myself up. Tell the police. I'll phone them as soon as you've finished. Oh, no. Wait. I wouldn't do that right away. Why don't you go home now? We'll have a little time to think things over and no, then we can... No, I'm going to call them now. You didn't think I had the courage, but I have. Marion, you want me to confess something? I've always thought you had the courage. I've always thought that down deep inside you was the girl who was really you. The girl you used to be. Why, you couldn't change in those few years you were away at school. It was only something you put on. Like that party dress. Oh, people must have hated me. As Mrs. Fenton will hate me when she finds out. Oh, we can talk about that later. You go home now and let me see the police, and I think maybe I can explain What so I've that... done can't be explained away. Well, if you don't want me to talk to them, call up your father. He's out of town. Left for Chicago this morning. Well, then why don't you wait? Wait till he comes home. You'll need someone to stand by you. I'll send him a wire. He can be here tomorrow. It's no use waiting. I want to get it over with. Well, there's no hurry. That was a very good sign this morning when I called you and Mrs. Fenton in. The first moment Dave's been conscious since the accident. If he goes on getting better, That then... doesn't make any difference. It was my car that hit him. Uh, Dr. Christian. Yes. I... I have a little money of my own. Oh, I know money can't make up for what I've done, but... But I want you to see that the Fentons have everything they need. All right, Marion. Hello, Dr. Christian. Oh, evening, Miss Brooks. Oh, hello, Vincent. I was just going by on my way home. Thought I'd drop in. Say, uh, how's Dave Fenton making out? Well, he's still a pretty sick man, but I I think he'll pull through. Well, that'll be good news for Foster. Foster? Oh, haven't you heard? He's the fellow that did it. They picked him up this morning. Oh, no. You're mistaken. Nah, we're not mistaken, Miss Brooks. We checked up the whole business. But are you sure he's the one? Yeah, you bet we are. We got him in jail. But you are mistaken. Nah, there's always a lot of smash-ups on New Year's Eve. Take Jim Allen's car. He parked it in front of the power plant. I've got to tell And it was smacked twice in the same evening. Yeah. Well, so long. I'll go Wait back. Wait a minute. There's something I ought to tell you. Huh? I mean, I've got to tell you that Wait I... Wait a minute. Did you say Jim Allen's car was hit twice? Yeah, that's right. Someone come along before the Fenton accident and banged into it. Then this fella Foster hit it and Fenton at the same time. Foster was scared to death, but he came around this morning and gave himself up. That's a bad curve there anyway, and it... Uh, hey! Marion! I... I'm all right. Gee, for a second, I thought you were going to faint or something. I'm tired, that's all. Well, I guess there's a lot of them feeling that way today. And Foster confessed? Yeah, he was smart. Oh, uh, what were you going to say a minute ago, Miss Brooks? I was... I was going to... Oh, of say... course, Benson. She was going to wish you a very happy New Year. <laughs> Gene Herschel, who has been in New York enjoying a brief holiday and also to attend the world premiere of the new 20th Century Fox production in Old Chicago, returns to the West Coast this week. And so you'll hear next Sunday's Dr. Christian broadcast from Hollywood, California. Gene Herschel appears on this program through the courtesy of 20th Century Fox. 
This is Arthur Gilmore bidding you good afternoon for the makers of Vaseline Preparations. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. And that was the conclusion of Dr. Christian from January 9th, 1938, called Hit and Run, starring Gene Herschelt, as heard on CBS. All right, let's take a break here on Hollywood 360. We'll return after these messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. In our next hour here on Hollywood 360, we'll tune into Escape, starring Ben Wright and a good adventure from 1948. And then it's the Red Skelton Show from 1944. You won't want to miss it. Stick around here on the Hollywood 360 Radio Network.